mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you are in the world. I'm Russell Tovey. And I'm Robert Diamond. And this is Talk Art. Welcome to Talk Art. How are you today, Robert? Today, Russell, I am feeling limitless. Oof. And I'm feeling limitless on the occasion of the fifth anniversary of this very podcast. Whoop, whoop. We have been doing this for five whole years. Happy which, birthday to us. Um, also relates to our guest today because they have been working for five decades, maybe even a bit more, I think 55 years perhaps. Um, so there's two fives there. Mm. And uh, today's guest is the perfect guest to celebrate our fifth anniversary because we've wanted to speak to her since the beginning. We had the great privilege of walking around in Brick Lane in a building with her where she guided us and toured us personally around the amazing Traces um, exhibition, which actually was so perfect to kind of see all these core elements to the uh, way that the, the practice and the way that her mind works and she's been quite a influence on my life since my teenage years and you, you and I have both dedicated our lives to art as has she and she is an example for everybody listening that if you do dedicate yourself and live for art you can free yourself and I think for me she's been a real enlightener and she has described herself as a warrior of performance art and for me just of art and maybe even the grandmother now but I really do think she, she takes this this role of an enlightener because she she brings light to dark places um, and she has liberated her own body and is still kind of on this journey to freeing her mind mm. and in doing so frees the audience's mind and um, hopefully encourages all of us to live um, a better life so we would like to welcome to talk art Marina, Marina Abramovich, Abramovich. Wow, what introduction. But let's let's go a little bit backwards. You know, you're talking about art and I'm doing art. And you know that for 55 years, I still have same question coming back. Why is art what I'm doing? And this is incredible. And we are 21st century and I still people asking the same question. And it's like, you know, when I travel in a plane and somebody asks me, you know, they want to talk and I want to just sleep next to me and then they ask you know what are you doing what the hell i can say what i'm doing and how i can explain to anybody what i'm doing so the my really cover is so simple i am the nurse from new zealand and i come to your country to study health program nobody talked to me it's so perfect <laughs> and this really works every time but because you know it's it's so difficult to describe performance art to explain you know it's such an immaterial form of art you know it would really you know how that works you have to be there you have to be a time to see it and it's highly emotional 
And that's, you know, something that's not easy. I have the, the friend of mine who is American. He said, I hate you artists. I say, why? He said, always make me cry. Because oh. they like to, you know, get art through the brain, but not through the body. Okay, let's start. I, I used the word limitless in the introduction because it was actually an instruction that you gave in um, a set of instructions for an artwork that you created in the Ukraine, which is the amazing wall with crystals. And um, I wanted to talk a bit about that instruction because I loved the duration was limitless. You know, talking about war, wow, I mean, let's go into the all these wars we are right now. Yeah. You know, just kind of really something that bothers me incredibly. War in Ukraine was something so simple for me to react. I was actually the first artist after only three hours of invasion who gave full, you know, statement and complete kind of support to Ukraine because it was very clear what's happening. And, uh, you know, the, I only made this war like two months before. Two months before, you know, the Zelensky, you know, the inaugurate Babiar, because there was nothing to remind people of the enormous atrocity of 33,000 Jewish people killed in, in three single days and in mass graves. So when he was Jewish and he came and said, let's make the something people can remember. And I was thinking how I can actually sting, sting, the kind of create the prolongation of the war of crying in uh, from the Jerusalem all the way to Ukraine and really use the coal as their own material, which is black and, and dark, and then just taking crystals from Brazil, put them there, and the people have to press their head, their heart, and um, stomach against it, and just really, as there is a cleaning process, but also remembering. And for that occasion, for the opening of this Babiar came the, the president of Germany, president of Israel, and Zelensky himself, and all faced the wall. All the they really, you know, the, the, they've done this kind of cleaning process, and all they give statement that this should in, the, in humanity never happen. Two months later, they bombed the, 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 the television tower, which is just 100 meters from the wall, and which is incredible, the wall is still there. But not only is it still there, it's absolutely in perfect condition. Nobody cut the crystal. No, nobody could break the crystal. There's no vandalism, nothing. And um, and then, the the you know, thinking if the wall survive, which it will be a miracle, then can you imagine, I will be first artist who actually create monument for two, the terrible moments of human history. The one is, is, is Nazi and one will be the, just now the, the, the Russians. But then you go into that perspective. But then you see what's happening with Israel and Palestine now. I have no opinion. I have the first time I'm in a kind of catatonic position. I can't understand. No, first of all, I can't make my mind. You know, I, I can't react because... I, I can't be for one or for another. Both of them, they're just about to extinguish each other. This is so wrong. So I'm only thinking how I can deal with this is a sentence of His Holiness, you know, Dalai Lama. He said long time ago, he said, only way that we can actually uh, learn to forgive, we can stop killing. Mm -hmm. And this is all about forgiveness, that not civilizations of this human existence on this planet, we still didn't learn simple thing to forgive. Do you feel a responsibility when you look at the state of the world with your art to, to comment, to make work? Yeah, I do. I, I really think that right now we we have to do cleaning of you know of, of the our mind and our our you know 
thinking process. We really have to understand who are we? We are humans. What what we stand for and, and what is really not acceptable and what is acceptable. And my belief is only by changing yourself, you can change others. There's no, you know, I also think that this politician today, they should read Gandhi biography because Gandhi made entire revolution in his own country without speaking one drop of blood, nothing. It was just the other way. And we are not looking to other way. We are looking in, in a kind of brutalist, you know, the, yeah, the medieval yeah. way. It's medieval. It's you know, kill everybody, yeah. you know, put the bombs, get nuclear weapons and and just make make a third world war. And if you think about that word forgiveness, I know that you've um, experienced real deep forgiveness in your relationship and the last kind of three years of the life of, of Ulai. Yeah. But can you think about forgiveness throughout your life? Like not just that one example, because I know you've documented that quite a lot. But have you have you been able to forgive like other people or, or what is the power for you of forgiveness? You know, it's so easy to say I forgive, so difficult to do. I mean, <laughs> to do really truly. I think I done only twice in my life, one to my mother and one to Ule. Because my mother, you know, it was such a difficult relation. I mean, she never kissed me in my life. She never touched me. And I never understand why. And she always say, I don't want it to spoil you. And only when she died, I find her diaries under the bed. And if I read one page of this diary, my relation to my mother will be completely different. But actually, it was too late because she, what she wants, she had a such a difficult emotional life and she never wanted to admit any of this. So she wanted to make me literally, you know, like Amazon woman, make me worry that actually I don't suffer like she did. But actually, she made me suffer because, you know, I never felt loved from her and I never felt that, that I could impress her by anything, that I could achieve anything. Always somebody else was better and finally when I give her my book my work she actually re-edited and every photo that I was naked or half naked she took it out so the big book from I don't know 300 pages went to 26 pages that she can send show to her neighbors that was a big addition <laughs> this was a brutal <laughs> and actually the, the kind of start of your artistic journey starts in childhood um, I heard you talking about playing with shadows and I, I found that such a beautiful kind of concept this idea of light and darkness and there's a really beautiful quote from 2006 where you said from darkness one can't escape but sometimes with great effort light can be created in it yeah no this really it's so interesting you mentioned this you know when i when i published my biography with this seven i was exactly 70 and it's called breaking the walls it was in the same day came article in New York Times and the same day in Guardian, exactly the same day. Guardian was like the best book ever, superlative. And the one in Times, the start like this. The soon as I read, Marina Abramovic the, didn't play with the with the dolls, but play with the shadows, I knew I would hate this book. Oh, really? <laughs> this is, a, he's, he just mentions there's something you like. This was the guy who was so irritated. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, he's playing with the shadows. I hate the book. Anyway, you know, there's also Leonid Cohen, what he said, that the, what he said, that the light come in from the crack of the darkness that let the light come in. Something, I think, is a song about mm -hmm. it. I don't remember the words exactly. But this is really important that actually darkness and light, they're together. They're inseparable. You know, the one thing, one side is dark, one side is light. But we need to actually create balance between both. That's the only way. I think it's a spirituality in your work that I really 
respond to. And I think it's this, I'd love to talk about daily practices. I've watched a few videos where you take time to drink a glass of water and you really appreciate the glass of water or you write your name over an hour or you count grains of sand and you say that there's a whole universe in the slowing down of time. And today I did an experiment with myself with my dog, who I love dearly, who's 11, and he's getting old and he doesn't walk as much. And I normally take him outside, he does his peeing and pooping, then I carry him up and take him upstairs. But today I picked him up, I cradled him, and I walked really slowly around the block with him, step at a time, thinking about the way that you slow down time and your daily practices. I made myself cry, and I was just with him, we were just together in a completely different kind of pace of time. And I'd love to know about... Your daily practices, what do you, what does Marina practice daily? Is there things that you have to do, like what you've told us through your art that we should all be doing, but what do you do? You know, nothing, nothing that actually become the kind of the, the, the everyday thing. You know, like you, I, I'm so much against the, the kind of um, uh, something that you have to do every day. Yeah. You know, I, I always think that the feeling is so important, what the body tells you to do, because, you know, the body wisdom is the oldest wisdom of the all. So, like, I know the people who run, they have to run every day, and they don't run, they feel miserable. <clears throat> but I hate this kind of routine. I hate any routine. You know, I there's a days when I wake up, like this morning, I wake up seven and I went to swim. And it was really important to just swim in the pool downstairs, you know, and I, and I swim plops up and down, up and down, up and down, and then I felt great. But the, the day before this, I just overslept and I didn't do anything. So, but then it was so good for, for, for me because I felt really, really well. So th I think that the kind of feeling that the, something that we never actually live and it's so important to live by intuition, which which feeling is today to do, because the body really have wisdom. And the body is not always that you have to do things regularly. Now, like in my case, I hate studio. I never wanted to work in studio. To me, studio is a trap. It's like, like, a, like a guys who work in office, they go in the office to work every day. Studio, if you sit in the studio and and you 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 try to to kind of think about rationally of what great idea you're going to get. This is so incredibly artificial. The ideas have to come from life. And then you go to studio to realize them. But you have to come as a surprise, like a three-dimensional image in, in your head, like going to the toilet or cutting garlic or, you know, sitting with the friends. And then idea appear out of nowhere. You know that... Are you always alert for it, though? Are you always ready for an idea? Or do you ever put yourself in a situation no, no. where you go, I want an idea to come to me? You know how you work. First, you work like hell to do stuff, you know, like like whatever you, you're traveling or you, I don't know, planting planting the, 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 the cabbage in the garden and you're so tired and then you just go to sleep and you wake up and idea is there and it comes from nowhere. The idea comes when your body physically is exhausted. Then the mind have this freedom to kind of work. I mean, Einstein got the idea not because sitting in lab, got the idea because sitting in the train and traveling somewhere. You know, first you have to do everything yeah. and then let it go. So you, you kind of tie yourself out and, and then at let that it point, go. then let something go. comes yeah. in. Let it go is the... Is the uh, but you have to go to 150% of doing something and then just 
let it go and things happen by itself. But you have to trust in the process, you know, because we always get panic and we always have to do too much. And, you know, with an artist, you, you, you just, you know, when you're working, you think, oh, this is not enough. I have to add this and this and that. And this is mess and unnecessary. I learned that you don't need nothing. I mean, I had a two chair and two tables with artists and the table artist is present. The last month I realized I don't need a fucking table. I get table out. And there was just two chairs and this was just right thing. But then you have to really understand the energy and understand that actually the nothing is just beginning or something. Do you panic? As an in artist. the beginning, yes, yeah. now less. Of every project or at the beginning of your career? Uh, you yeah, but, oh my God, in the beginning, I panic for everything. And if I don't panic, I panic why I don't panic. So you have to yeah, panic. I any. do that. But then, <laughs> yeah. but why, am I not, why am I not anxious? I'm anxious <laughs> but, now, yeah. yeah. But the moment you're, you're there in front of the public, this disappears completely. Then you have to be there in the moment. And it's so important not to prepare. You know, you have to prepare before, before, That's before. That's why you never rehearse these things. No. You, I just go and stand and talk. The biggest talk I ever done, as I think as an artist I ever done, it was in Kaunas last year. 6,000 people in stadium, basketball stadium. And that was big. <gasps> I just arrived and it was just a sea of people. And then I just stand there and you feel, have to feel them, you have to feel energy. Yeah. And then something comes through you. You have to trust that things come through you. You have to be like open open like a didgeridoo yeah. you have to be open but if you're filled with your shit you can't everything let anything get into you because the ideas you know the to me the who create limits is us and the ideas come from outside you have to let them flow inside you and outside of you do you love an, an audience because i've also read that at the beginning of your career you were quite shy but you were a performance artist yeah. you would have an audience but you didn't really want them to look at you, but yet the work you were making was giving them a permission to stare. No, I, I, I really love audience. I, I love I love this statement that that the, the Matar Graham say everywhere you stand is a holy everywhere a dancer stand is a holy ground. So for me, everywhere the public stand is a holy ground. The you know, if I if I have lecture and somebody go to the bathroom, I, I see it. I'm waiting till this person come back from the bathroom. If it doesn't come from the bathroom, I'm very worried because something is wrong with the tension of the of the space. You know, every single person is you important. absorb everything incredibly. And you know, so many artists performance a completely different idea. He said, "I don't feel audience. I don't care about audience. I, I I'm in my world." For me, it's just the opposite. For me, the only the work if his the audience world and my world become one. And is that exhausting, or is that is that give you life affirming? It's that... the only way. You know, you get all this energy. There's much more a problem is when the audience leave. What you do with all this energy you get in? This is what That's I what call. I mean. yeah, what do you do then if you're absorbing? Ha ha ha! Another question. So <laughs> first of all, I made the, I have a, the word for this called body drama. So what's the body drama? Body drama you can experience especially with musicians when you have three hundred thousand, you know, audience, and then you you're performing, and audience is going crazy, and you're taking energy for audience, and you're giving audience back, and this is all happening. But then lights go down. The you know audience leave, and you are left with all this energy. That energy is killer. 
This is why you, you can't come down. This is why you have to take heroin, you have to take drugs, you have to drink, you, you just can't go and sleep because you are like, oh, you know, completely filled with this energy. So this is where actually comes incredible knowledge of Eastern, you know, Eastern people, what they do, what they do, Japanese, what they do, Buddhists, what they do, Aborigines, what they do, shamans. I learned from them that actually this is incredibly important, how to take this energy and actually uh, the, turn around and become energy you nourish you, you not know, destroy you. That's the body drama, you know. And how do you do that? Uh-huh, I do. Okay, I give you, give you one. I give you one thing to do. Yeah. Okay, and not just to you, for the public. All right, you wake up, let's say, it's Friday or no Saturday morning or Sunday, whatever. You wake up and you're so fresh and you're full of energy. You're like, ah, oh, what a wonderful day. And it's sunny outside and it's very great. So you have these millions of plans. You're going to call the friends. You're going to do this. You're going to shop. And you spend all this energy and you feel totally exhausted then. But what if you have all this energy and you totally do the technical detox. You take the computer out, you switch your telephone, you switch your, you, you watch, you put it away. Find a very, very nice place in a corner of your room. can be look in the garden or outside of the window, something quiet. And you just sit on the chair and do absolutely nothing. But you have all this energy, but you do nothing. This is incredible, interesting what happened. That energy, instead of spending it, start going inside of you. And this is like totally nourishing you. And you feel incredibly charged, but not just charged. You also feel aware of what's going on here and here and everywhere else. So that's that's the something that we have to actually, you know, take this energy and, and change the, the process and pattern. I was really touched by a story you, you've told before about a monk who lived inside a cave and he was in complete darkness and they would bring him food every day, but he would never actually see the people who delivered the food. And then you got to meet him later. Can you speak a bit about that element of energy? Well, this is, I, I felt, actually in my life, I, I met some incredible people in, in my journeys in this part of the world, you know, because they have totally different relation to the body and, and mind than we do. We are, we are technological society who cut all our actually um, qualities. We don't follow intuition. We, we, we have insomnia. We take pills to sleep. We, we don't, uh, you know, use telepathy because we use telephone. But all these people are different. So that might you know, this is one of the Buddhist teaching to go, especially, you know, the retreat of 10 years in the in the cave. And the food will be bring to him only once a day in the front of the cave. But he doesn't see anybody at all. So this guy came out. I was it was in in Dharamsala, in the monastery Tushita in the in the Himalaya. And I was gassed. I had done my retreat there too, but it was only three months, very different. And I, I came out of retreat and I was gassed of the monastery and he just came out of the cave. So we sit literally having the meal and uh, and they let me sit next to him. And it was like a fireplace. He doesn't speak one word of language that I could communicate with, but it was not unnecess- it was not necessary. It was just incredible well being and feeling I felt like I am literally sitting at the fireplace, that was it. It was so. If this man goes in the middle of um, of New York or London or everywhere, you know, he can change just by his own presence the entire thing around him. 
I was really fascinated by the set of rules as well around it, because it seems like that relates so much to everything that you've done in your work, that kind of discipline at the core of the practice that you have. Um, but, you know, like him being in, inside for 10 years, um, it's similar to like things that, that you've made as artworks. Um, can you speak a bit about discipline and, and how that sort of empowered you and moved you forward? You know, it's it's so interesting how discipline, motivation, and willpower is extremely important for development of this kind of abilities. Without this, you can't do it. You absolutely have to have discipline, motivation, but really like rigorous, like like uh, like there's no question. You know, I mean, I I mean, I just tell you the simple example for me that when the artist is present, I build a simple chair, and this chair, you know, I I wanted to have mon monastic chair, so I didn't want it to put the arms because it looked too, too luxury for me. And the moment I sit the first three days, I made you, I understand, I made huge mistake because it was so incredibly painful because when you sit without arms, there's nothing that can lift you. So you all ribs actually moving, going to the, into the stomach. And the moment your position is curving you back, it's so painful. It's incredibly painful. And, and like, you know, it's just almost unsustainable. But I didn't want to change because I was too proud. After three days to change the chair, it was unthinkable. So I didn't change. So I had to deal with all this pain. And then this thing with the discipline, because, you know, every time you blink, you're thinking. But the bl not blinking is not thinking. And when you not think, you actually see the other person in true reality. So that to me was important, you know, not blinking and not moving, no matter what, not moving. So the pain gets so high, so high, high, to the point that, I, I mean, I was saying to myself, if I don't move, I'm going to, I'm going to just faint. And yet I still don't move. And I say to myself, so what? Then faint. But when you say to yourself that you get to the, that limit, the pain disappears completely. And this is incredible. But you can't actually get to there till you really get there. And to get there, you have to reach that limit. And when the pain disappears, you I could not believe that I discover how much space I have in my body that I can move without moving. There's a space between kidneys and ribs. There's space between liver and, and, and the heart. There's, there's plenty of space. So you actually just by concentrating on your breathing, you can move entire body and the pain is not a question anymore. But to discover that is only way through, the, through hell. And you have to get to that point and you can get only discipline. There's no other way. But when you know that it's there, then you know. And I can't explain to anybody till they really go into experience. Have you met, sorry, but have you ever met anyone who's similar to you, who's able to channel this sort of endurance within yourself as they are in their sort of life? I, I mean... As a, as a normal, <laughs> as a normal human. No, I mean, the monks, yes, and the people who, who deal with this kind of exercise, which I learned from them, you know. But I want to say, like now, I just had the re-performer of Elke Leuten. She performed now the 12 Days House with Ocean View. She just finished four days ago. I was so proud of her. It's a very difficult piece because the other piece is because of, of the of the old restrictions. You know, there are two hours, one hour, half an hour. But this piece was 12 days, no food, 
of any kind, just water from the top, you pee out in the front of the public, you, you take a shower, you sleep on the wooden bench, you know, the 12 days in, in the Royal Academy. It was not easy at all because I know how you have to, how difficult it is also mentally and psychologically in every way. And, um, and she really did it, you know, it was incredibly moving. On the end, it was like, we, you know, I was looking to my piece and it was emotionally kind of detached from my work because work started living through other people. It was really very, very strong experience. And then I remember the last day, three monks came and they understood exactly what she's doing. They just sit last three hours with her, just probably, you know, it's, it was so incredible. The last day, the the room was absolutely filled with people because this piece is about purification of yourself without taking food, but also you purify the molecules of the air you're sitting. This affects everybody. People don't know why they're not leaving, but they're sitting there and they're crying and they're still there. And this is the piece that nothing going to happen. There's no beginning. There's no end. There's nothing to do. There's no kind of plot that you have to kind of follow. You're just there in the presence. But the thing with the presence is that when you are really in the presence in your mind, in your body, time don't exist. There's no time. Time is related to something happening in the past, going to happen in the future. But th that moment is, is nothing's happening. And then you, with the public, they got just kind of drawn with her into that here and now. It was unbelievable. I mean, it was so strong. It's just... Uh, now the next one is six of uh, the new person start six of November. I you should really to come to see the last days because it's like oh, you need three four days is difficult without eating and then once you go into this another level. And you made that work in 2002 for the first time in New York yeah, and it yeah. was after September the 11th and I, I know that the audience who actually came in New York when you were performing it, they would come for like half an hour but they stayed four and a half yeah, hours and didn't realise they'd been there no, that long. No, no, exactly and it was really important to me that one person came almost every day Susan Zontag and uh, when I finished, I, Sontag, yeah, okay. but I didn't see her, you know, because it was all the public in a, in a group. But then what happened after I finished 12 days, people left for me so many stuff, boxes. They let me necklaces, they let me shawls, they let me little notes. And there was one napkin, napkin. And it was written just from the restaurant. It was written, this piece is great. Let's have lunch, Susan. <gasps> I was like, oh. and then I really... I've been for four years, the last four years of her life, really a friend of her. She's, she's this is one of the person really completely fascinate me, the most incredible human. But this was amazing, that, that, that piece, the people just kind of come. See, the same happened. There's no difference. The people start coming, and then, you know, in you come into museum, you mostly come to see once the show, maybe twice. But here, in that piece, there was a group of people who were just coming back and coming back. The, the weight, the, the people, the guards, was praying for her. Literally, the, the, the girl was, I don't know, from somewhere, Romania. She was literally praying the, her, in the, begin, the end of the day and the end because she stayed all night there. And that was like completely changing kind of idea of the of normal public. Public become community, which actually uh, is around performance, which normal public doesn't happen in, in, in the gallery or the museum. There's different public. Do you think everybody has the potential to do what you do and what she does? Or do you think there's a certain group of humanity that have access to that ability? You know, talking 
I have to question, you know, how you know you're an artist or you're not. I don't believe that you can become an artist. I, I, be, I believe that you're born like that, honestly, because it's it's kind of in DNA. You know, you can learn technique, you can learn lots of stuff, mm. but to, you have to have certain, you know, especially as a performance artist, if you don't have charisma, you can't do anything. You can't. You know the way how I, I check my students, I just ask them to stand in front of me 15 minutes in the front of like 20 people, 30 people. Just the way how they occupy the space, how how the, the energy goes around. I mean, nothing they have to do. You know, they, they have potential, they don't. There's something really like that. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Do you think about your legacy then and your students? Is this something you really want to consider so the work can continue? Because as is performance art, if you're not performing it, who is? But the right now, like the 11 that we show in Elizabeth Hall, do you have a chance to see these guys? No, sadly. Oh, my no. God, this was kind of incredible. They perform eight hours a day. They perform the original pieces. I'm not to do the, the They perform the pieces based on their own biography, their own, the, their own country, their own the ideas. But only the thing that we have in common, long duration. Some of them already discover long duration before we teach them. But some of them, I do the workshops, you know, to really learn long duration. Because long duration is different than any other form of art. You know, it's very easy to pretend something or to 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 do something when it's short. But when it's long, you drop all the faces on earth into into real self, into naked self. And the you become vulnerable, but the public is vulnerable too, and you connect with the public the way that you never connect with any ever with anything else. And also the the Abramovich method, which um, you obviously have the uh, Marina Abramovich Institute, which is thinking about legacy and the future. You know, when you're no longer here, and I love this idea now that 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 new performers are able to take the works you made and kind of live them through their bodies, so that it can live forever in a way. You know, but to my dream is actually because I started this whole thing with the seven easy pieces. When I choose seven performances, not just my own, but the performances that I never witnessed. But but it was fascinating me and I wanted to redo them to see for myself that they have experience, but also to create some kind of really the, the, the order in this mess because performance art was completely unrespectful, not be respectful to anything. You know, designers, the, the fashion, the uh, MTV, the whatever was taking elements of performance, uh, remixing them without paying any kind of respect to original ideas. Even the young curators were curating young artists, redoing the pieces, saying this is the original. 
which is absolutely not right. And the kids didn't know history to actually see differently. So I was thinking, okay, let's. I'm the only artist who still perform in my age. So let's make some order. Let's ask for permission of the artist himself. If is the if the artist is dead, he's you know the foundation who is representing them. Let's pay for permission. Let's do performances. You you add your own ideas, but at the same time, you always have to say where the source come. Same techno buck, you play buck, and then you want to have the disco buck. You still have to pay for the for the permission. So this was really important. That kind of order, and then the we I made seven easy pieces. So if you wanted to reperform, ask for permission, which actually people start doing it, which is really great. And uh, and now my dream is to create actually the history of performance art, but not performance art, futurist, fluxus happening, Dadaist. I mean, there was such amazing pieces in, in history. Plus, I have really memory of the, some works that nobody even think exists. James T. Byers, I mean, Eve Klein pieces. I mean, they were amazing stuff. So that actually the young generation can, you know, re-perform them and, uh, and actually learn from them. So this is another dream to create this kind of mega show of re-performing the pieces from history of art. Are there pieces of yours that have been happenings that haven't been documented and archived that you could bring back? You know, I would give permission for every piece. Yes, they are. But for every piece, except the piece who really, you know, they have risk of life. Rhythm Zero, I would never give permission. But Rhythm Zero, somebody without any permission in Hong Kong, he performed it. Instead of pistol, he had the banana. I mean, you know. Can we talk about Rhythm Zero? <laughs> banana <then>? or the <laughs> pistol? <laughs> Can we talk about Rhythm Zero then for people that don't know what that yeah. that was, that, that um, piece, which is so... Shocking in and the capacity of what humanity can do to each other and how you put yourself there as as an object for people to it's so interesting it's so relevant this piece actually okay you describe the piece please well there's a table I can drink the water yes you drink your water then very slowly there's a, <laughs> there's a table in front of you in a gallery space there are 73 objects I think 72 72 objects this 72. was performed in 1974 there are soft objects there's there's flowers there's a feather boa but then there's there's tools there's a loaded gun with a bullet in there's like a knife and you invited the audience to interact with you in any way they saw fit with the objects that were on the table over a course of time and as it started people come up they kissed you they hugged you they wrapped things around you they gave you flowers and then as the show went on and it got later into the night there was a crowd formed and then it became a bit more violent to the point where someone held the loaded gun to your neck and you took the gun, Some, you, you were cut. I think afterwards you said that the trauma from this gave you white hair. It was such a traumatic event and it changed you, but it really traumatised you, and you, but you put yourself through that. And then when the lights went on and the, the show was finished and they saw that you were actually a human being, people fled, they ran because they were scared of what they had actually done but you had given them license. It's like you had said, you can do whatever you want. And if they would have killed you, you would have died that day. You were ready to die. I was 23, my dear. Absolutely <laughs> want to die for art, <laughs> just to prove the point. And, you know, a part of this little bit violent, you know, they will, they will give me the rose and they will cut my clothes and then would take the thorns of the rose and stuck in my body. They cut me and my neck is still have scar and drink my blood. They will carry me around and then put me on the table, put knife between my legs 
drugs. You know, the only reason why I was not raped, it was because there was a normal opening. People came with his wives. But the, what the actually woman will say, what to do? They never will touch me and they will take my tears away or, or take the sweat away from my forehead. It was very interesting. Did you notice it was gendered then what people were doing to you? Yeah, and then it was also interesting that three actually, there was in Italy, Naples, and there was a three actually the stereotypes projected on me when you look at this piece is Madonna, mother, and a whore. Three, three stereotypes. It was, and then the, the really, I, I, I had on the statement on the table, I'm an object, you can do everything you want with me, including killing me. I take all four responsibilities, six hours. And the, I was 23 at the time, but the performance was not taken as, even as a form of art. And I say, okay, it, I, you, you're, you're accusing me that's not art, and I, let's see what you can do. To, my, to, to, to another human being. And it was really strong performance. It took me 42 years that from that performance, I got to the artist's present. Here, I really was playing with the, with the low human being, you know, abilities. And in artist's present was all about putting the human being, putting the, 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 the to put him being in a high consciousness, completely different. I have all restrictions. You can't touch me, you can't talk to me, mm. you can only sit and, and, and have a gaze, that's it. And this changed everything. But it took me, you know, 42 years to learn the lesson, and I was 65 when I did this piece, and I would never could do it when I was young. I didn't have will, power, courage, and this kind of this kind of understanding. I was not able to do this piece before. How can you, how, I mean, how do you cope with that then at that age, experiencing that and knowing that that's what people could do to you in the, in, a, in an art context? How do you How do you carry on after that what gives you the focus very well on? very well very well right sorry well. no honestly with every i done in the past there was a reason and huge lesson to learn and every performance bring me the new understanding and each work actually continue to to understand you know to me if you see my show the here in all academy is all based on different uh, subjects, the rooms, and the, the dates are mixed up, and the, the works, the old works talk to the young works, and the old mm. and the new works, because the ideas are, you know, kind of mixed up in, 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 like you start, the first two rooms is called the participation of the body, of the public, which is the rhythm zero and, and, um, and artist is present. Then you go to all communist era. Then you go to the limits of physical body with Ulai and myself. Mm -hmm. Then you go to absence of the body. Then you go to my relation to nature and minerals and energy. Then from there you go to coming and going, which is all about dying and, and, and you know, te the temporality of our life and so on and so on. And then you finish with luminosity, which is really the highest state that I reached so now, so far. For me, the work um, has often been about some kind of transcendence, like within its core. I think in, in every work you've made, in a way, there, there's some element of trying to elevate the soul or to connect to some higher being somehow. And I don't mean religious or anything like that. I just mean in a soul sense. And that's for me like the power of art is the, the, the depths of our soul and, and trying to connect to that. Have there been, is there like one example of a work where you really felt like you had actually transcended or is, or is it always a bit frustrating? Is it hard to get to that place? Mm. No, it's, you know, the much to me, the latest work is definitely about transcending. You know, when I stand out from artists' present, I was not the same person. 
I was completely changed. I mean, to me, this was three months, eight hours a day and 10 hours on Fridays. And it was so almost physically impossible. Every day could be the last. And I went through and I did it. And I stood up and I was different. I knew that I needed to open my institute. I knew that I want to, to have a legacy. I knew that, that my whole work is really to teach the, the power of long duration of work to, to the every, everybody who wants to, to learn. I create a Brahmich method because it's not just me and, and, and the artists who do that. Public have to learn how to look long duration. It's not easy to look at something which nothing is happening. But nothing is happening is the essence of everything. So they have to see where is the breathing, where is the feeling of their own body, how they just observe the light crossing the room. Maybe, maybe, maybe somebody just put the hand up. I mean, it's so little. You get boredom immediately if you don't understand, you know, actually the, the idea of present and here and now. Bec and the boredom, actually to go through the boredom is the key of everything. John Cage talked about this. Saddam Jupaigod talked about this. You know, the boredom is the first step opening the door of secrets, you know. And that's what we have to learn and public have to be to have to learn. And now with the House with Ocean View, with Elke, I, I, I see we are doing the good job. I'm not performing there. She's performing and she's translating this piece in the best possible way. And I have hundreds of people last day. Nobody moves. Nobody talks. People are crying and looking into nothing. Nothing is happening. She's just there. And it's like, wow. So it's working. Do you have boredom with it whenever you're performing do you have to do you have that boredom that comes to you as a performer you know that's how I learned to go beyond now I, I don't have boredom anymore I'm beyond that long time ago but the beginning you know I, you know it was not that I had the boredom I was afraid that the public had the boredom when you're young you're afraid of all of this how you translate your, your ideas this is why you put too many shit on the, in, in the space that's why it's or too loud or the sound or is the project or is the on the end you start actually re reduction you take everything way 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 till nothing is there and when it's not in there you reach the point when nothing's there everything starts happening yeah, yeah. i was going to ask about simplicity and and the kind of um another thing i see in your work is that when you look back at photographs it all looks really iconic and that's because visually there's a simplicity to it how hard is it to get to get an idea to be that pure, to be that close to truth. Because in your book that you've recently made, the nomadic um, yeah, one, yeah. and it's an artist book you've made, this nomadic. It's done all stationary from the hotels. Yeah. yeah, from different hotels, which is quite perfect right now because we're in a hotel. <laughs> did, you, but, did, you, um, did you see this other one? Yes, yeah, I, I have a, that too. Yes. A completely different system. Yeah. You know, not yeah. actually done by me at all. But I was interested in this idea that you you can you make drawings as kind of like a precursor to what might become a performance. But how how do you get that that essence of truth or simplicity? I start with chaos. I start with millions of ideas. I, it's like so much. And then reduction, reduction, reduction. If I look and say, okay, if I need 65 things to say one thing, can I do it with 35, then maybe 25, then maybe 12, then maybe... And then I came to one, then I'm close to the truth. But I need to reduction. But you need to, you need to have... Mind is not simple. Mind is like, is like Baroque mind, a million stuff. You know, when, when you do the Zen meditation, you have to, when you have to look into the white wall, this white wall is never white wall. It's a projection of millions of stuff. So you have to start with millions because that's a true mind. And then you have to kind of reduct, 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 till you see just in between into this gap 
of an, and then comes just simple. But I, I also the same amount of time you spend of creating idea, the same amount of time I spend if thinking how to record them, how was the was the you know how there should be documentation. Mm. Everything is decided. You know I'm really kind of. The important that the final result, you know, historically can stay for the public to understand in the most simple way. Yeah. Are you spiritual? I know your grandmother was highly spiritual. Yeah. In this slowing down of time and 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 being present for so long, do you feel like you're opening up channels to other, you know, opportunities to ghosts, for example? I've always felt like with you, there's this like, the, you know, such an energy of like, you know, how dangerous is to talk. With when you're talking about spirituality, ghosts, and everything, it's in 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 art context. You immediately, incredibly, you know, the how you scrutinize, and you immediately the 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 criticize, thinking, oh my God, you know, this is not art she's doing. This is a kind of new wave shit. And you immediately, you know, oh crystals, this bullshit. So it's really complicated what we have to say and what we have not to say. You know, I, I was so, so interesting uh, with, um, with uh, what's his, oh my God, what's his name? Uh, Francis Bacon. So Francis Bacon had, you know, re- reconstruction of his studio and all his house in Dublin, yeah. in Dublin which was so fascinating mm. and which I was so interesting that you can actually look through the all books he had and, and what he inspired that actually he never talked about. He had the entire... The, the, his attraction to Stelzofi, Madame Blavatsky, the Gorgiev, all these people that I also had attraction to. But but these books was all under his bed. And, and then you have to Google and you look up what he have under the bed and you discover this. It's, it was so interesting how much stuff he actually, that that he secretly been studying and, and been talking about. Mondrian, Mondrian also it was interesting in the color combination, Sanskrit, and all of this. And you see him so abstract, you think mm-hmm. there's nothing spiritual there. No, it's, it's the spiritual element, every artist have to have it. it the, uh, the good art don't exist without spiritual element, really. But how much I see and what I do is going to be pretty much not to talk into art program. You have to, you know what? I've just been invited to speak about my work in a Tibetan monastery here in London. And it was so interesting. They, they invite me. I just got an invitation yesterday. They invite me to speak about three things about selfishness in relation to House with Ocean View. Then the second one about the the, the mortality in relation to Balkan Baroque piece, which I've done with Mons. And the third one, what was the third one? It's it's another one. The three, and between every of these subjects is in monastery for 50 monks, you know, just totally close situation. In, in between every of these subjects, they want me that all public, I mean, listening and me meditate for 10 minutes. Between, and this is amazing. I think I should put this together into my normal speeches. I, it was such an interesting concept. I just, I just got the invitation. I'm, I'm going to do this in November. What do you feel about selfishness? Because for an artist who you are the the material, like you know your your, your image brush, is so yeah. present um, throughout the world now. 
what what's it like being that dedicated to the self? Because but it's not you know this is completely wrong concept because I'm on the watch pictures that I'm creating kind of idol myself, which is completely opposite. I just use the human body. I present the a, a body, anybody, you know, anybody, age body, young body, old body, fat body, skinny body, whatever. This is what I present right now. I pre- I present the body of seventy seven years old. I mean, oh God, my birthday is, is next month, 76 and a half. <laughs> so, but, you know, and this is what I present. It is, And I don't, I think that um, that ego is the biggest obstacle for every artist. Ego, ego is, the, is really when creativity stops, when you really think you're better than others and you think that you're kind of genius or whatever. So whatever public project on me, I'm definitely not identified with that. I want to be, to me, humble. It's incredibly good quality. Yeah. And, uh, and you not know, thinking, you know, there's so much to learn in my life, never ending. What are the rules you set for yourself? And do you ever break your own rules? Have you, have you sort of set them from the beginning and they've changed or have you stuck by them? I don't bring, I don't, there's, again, who create the limits? You know, I, I I send the rule that we not eat chocolate, and then I break them three hours later. <laughs> no, no. You know, the, another important thing to see how imperfect you are. This is so healthy. You know, like to, I always identify three marinas, which I talk in the book: the her, her, heroic marina, which is like the one really not afraid, can do whatever. Then spiritual one. And the bullshit one. But the three living so nicely in myself because I'm not fighting them. They're all three. And, you know, it took me a long time to actually get this harmony because I was so kind of ashamed to show the bullshit one. Yeah, who, who, you, what is bullshit, Marina? Then? Oh what does God, bullshit, Marina, do? Bu- oh, my God, bullshit one is great. I mean, bullshit, have a good time. Bullshit one is lazy. Bullshit uh, eat chocolate. Bullshit uh, look shitty movies. You know, the, the kind of, you know, t- trash time. Oh, it's such a relay. You know, every time I do something very strong yeah. and very very you know the demand you performance bullshit come now we have bullshit time but you give yourself permission for the bullshit yeah, marina yeah, yeah it's really good and before you never would no no and i would be You'd very ashamed ashamed to do that it would be a shame and now not you know it's also it's so interesting as a kid i would i would be so ashamed to no even now i mean if i will if you ask me to take my clothes off I would be incredibly ashamed to take clothes off as it mean a private situation. But if I have to perform 6,000 people with clothes off, I have no problem at all because I'm presenting the work, not myself. Mm. This difference. If we think about that idea of you as a nomad, huh? um, I feel like the world really has been your stage. And you've made even like the film in 2016 in Brazil, which I just think is the most extraordinary documentary. I loved it. Um, and then China, obviously, where you've walked the Great Wall of China and all these different places around the world. Do you really believe that like every person is the same at their core? Because I think I do. And I sometimes feel like we we complicate everything through social structures. We have the same DNA. We're yeah. the same human beings. This is absolutely, there's no difference except circumstances make us. But also sometimes we, 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 we can take, you know, the DNA from the parents and actually leave their guilt problems, you know, through us, which is not our problems at all. Mm-hmm. We have to really find ourselves, who we are, and kind of, you know, 
separate from the past of the of the of the of the family parents everything you know in so many ways i always feel that i was born in in yugoslavia but some kind of mistake with the parents i was born that maybe you know why i was there but in the same time looking back it was exactly place where i should be i learned everything there you know i learned discipline i learned you know the heart hardcore you know emotional detachment we learned so much so before I go to these uh, final questions, I really want to ask you a, a story about crystals and about how you went to this crystal mine. And you tell a story about this big geode that you found. I loved rocks and minerals when I was a kid. I went to the annual Rock and Mineral Society convention for my eighth birthday. I'm a big fan of minerals and crystals. But you cut open this geode and there was water inside <laughs> that was 35 million years old. It had been encapsulated and you drunk it. And you said you felt sick afterwards. What 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 happened? And what you, did they feel do, like? I mean, what else to do with this water? You will drink it too, I hope. <laughs> because I was thinking, this is the purest water on the planet that you can possibly imagine. But look like the moment that this water is open and in with our kind of atmosphere now, turn into poison. I have no idea. But I was so sick. I was sick for like about 10 days, really. And I, I had uh, like a fever. I was vomiting. I was, you know, I have no idea what was in this water. But I was thinking that I'm drinking the purest memory of the planet. Did they? Were they all saying to you, no, don't do this, Marina? No, you... they, they didn't have time to say because I drink it immediately. <laughs> they look at me. Anyway, for the miners, I was like a pure, pure entertainment because when I come to the mine and I say, I want to lie in the mines and leave me there or sit in the mines just to wait till idea tell me what to do, that already was thinking I was cuckoo. Then when I told him I want to make amethyst shoes for 70 kilo each, you know, they and this and you can't walk in the shoes but you can make mental departure they also then they give me up then they do whatever I was I was for them like the, the most interesting human on the planet do you live with crystals in your house I have so many you have no idea I'm like I, I, I actually have the crates of crystals sent from Brazil oh. to upstate New York like for people listening, what is a crystal that we should all be living with? <laughs> What's something we can use? No, but first of all, crystals in their, I mean, look how much technology and, and right now in artificial intelligence they're using crystals. I mean, why? You have to see scientifically reasons, but basically they're like a, eyes of the planet, that's how I see them but also the, every memory of the planet go to crystal because they have this incredible capacity to condense light, condense electricity, condense everything memory too and if you really tune to the crystals which ancient you know, civilization did, you can actually tap to that memory and they definitely can, they can you know, affect en energetically, I mean when I work in crystals in Brazil in, in, in this piece that you saw you know, the standing objects yeah. people will stay there and have to clean the crystals every day because with the water or sage or put them on the sunlight because they absorb all negativity. They, they become black. It's kind of incredible. And if you're really exposed to crystals for a long time, I mean, you can feel dizziness, you can faint. There's, there's, there's so many, you know, scientifically explanation about the crystals today. But now, the, in, in one small little capsule, tiny, you can have entire memory of the planet sent into the spaceship that, you know, that we, we, we are sending it into other galaxies. So the, everything can be condensed in a little tiny piece of crystal. Can I push you for one favorite crystal though? Yeah. You know, to me to me the, the most favorite crystal is absolutely 
clear quartz with the, inside the water. There is water and pieces of tourmaline because they can be mixed. Tourmaline is something that really, you know, I, I create this entire idea of the body of the human in relation to the body of the planet. So the crystals are eyes of the our eyes, the planet eyes is crystal. Tourmaline is the liver. Uh, amethyst is 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 the is the soul. The the rose quartz is uh, is the heart, and so on and so on. So all the you know the the hematite is actually the blood from us because it's blood of the planet, and the copper is the nerve system. So this is like equivalent of the crystal body and planet body and human body. So get all of those. <laughs> get all of those and put them out yes we ask every guest if you could do an imaginary art heist and take home any artwork or object or building or, or anything around the world or performance um, and you could bring it home with you what would you take what I would have wow I would love to have Van Gogh night sky the last painting he painted before he kills himself because the, this, if you look this night sky and just the, that he really understood the molecule of energy, that he actually his paintings are energy molecules. And if you look really deeply, you can be affected. Incredible. So night sky, Van Gogh. Wow. Then what's the next one? What's your favorite color? Oh, right now is red. I really love some kind of, but not kind of dark red, really bright, almost orange red. It's so energizing. It's just really color, but actually it's not true. I don't have, I have three colors and they're primers, you know, red, yellow, and blue, all three, and all three from different reasons. And it's like relating to three marinas, so I can't de really divide them. What color is bullshit marina? The bullshit marina is definitely uh, yellow. <laughs> <laughs> and what is the best advice you've ever received? The best advice I ever received, it's from my teacher the long time ago, or the painting teacher, when she said, if you're making drawings with your right hand and you're so good and that you can make them even with closed eyes, immediately change to, to left one because that means you're repeating yourself. But always make the work to surprise yourself. Always make the work surprise yourself. And what, what is the work that's going to surprise us in the future? Because you're very always forward-thinking. What's coming next? For I, us? Yeah, but I didn't make it yet. <laughs> All right. So let me let me make it. <laughs> it's pretty wild how busy you are at the moment. You know, I am already working on the next work, which is going to be in Manchester Festival in 2025. Wow. And it's to do with the Balkan and erotic, oh. and really lots of erotic. I want to explore erotic energy because it's something that we never really. Kind of, we always we always kind of mistaking erotic and and vulgar, mm. and the pornography is very different. I want to create erotic as a spiritual experience with an audience. With audience. Wow. Okay. I look forward to this. <laughs> this sounds great. I was I'm surprising. <laughs> I was wondering whether great. we're going to see Marina Abramovich in space. I heard you wanted to go to space. You know, I asked uh, the the Bronson. I went to this Necker Island. I was invited as a speaker. And I say to him, you know, I really want you to give me one-way ticket and I don't come back. He refused. <laughs> Would you, you wouldn't be scared to go to space. You'd yeah, like but to. can you imagine, in my age, I just want to know what it's all about. And, of course, you die anyway. So why not, at least in that way? 
Incredible way to end the episode. Yeah. Thank you so, so much. It was not bad. It's not bad. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> so for everyone listening, we'll be posting images on our Instagram at Talkart and you can visit at um, Abramovich Institute on Instagram as well. And Marina has the most amazing website and there are so many books we'll be linking to And the RA well. show, how much longer is that? The RA for? show is on until the beginning of January. First of January. Yeah, first of January. Okay, Literally the wonderful. beginning of January. It's wonderful. And um, yeah, and we'll be back very soon. Thank you Thank so you, much, Marina. Marina. We love Thank you. you. Thank you. There's your five. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. We'll be back soon. Bye. You've been listening to Talk Art with Robert Diamond and Russell Toby. Follow us on Instagram at Talk Art, where you can view images of all artworks discussed in today's episode, with music by Jack Northover. Subscribe to Talk Art at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Give us a rating and write us a comment. Thanks for listening. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com